time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Roto-Rooter. Big B Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Ropey Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how are we doing? Let them bake, baby. Whoa! That's what's up. What a great weekend of playoff football. Oh, actually, it was a disaster for most of the teams in the area except Detroit. And then my my Baker bros in the Tampa Bay air, they crushed it. They crushed it. Oh, so great. Such a great weekend. Uh, 10 out of 10. I have no notes. It's magical. The, you, few things in this world bring me joy quite like watching the Philadelphia Eagles lose, but even better when it's Tampa who beats them. Just, oh, I, I'm I'm so good. I'm great. We got a great show for you guys. I, I'm, oh, it's playoff football. I can't ask for any more. I can't ask for any more. It's just such a good weekend. Great week on deck for you guys. A great show on deck for you tonight. I'll slide. St- I'll slide past uh, a part of it while I introduce uh, what we have on this edition of the show. We'll talk Van Buren basketball. We'll talk with Mark Bunn on the boys' side and Jane Tabler on the girls' side, and we'll talk, of course, NFL football. React to last weekend's opening round of the playoffs. Talk some of the coaching moves, and then look ahead to this coming week. But you can't say a perfect weekend when the Browns lose. Like you just can't. You can't say perfect weekend, I have no notes, when the Browns didn't just lose. They were beaten in a very bad way by a rookie coach and a uh, rookie quarterback as well. Here's what I'll say about that. The fact with all the injuries, all the team personnel issues that occurred throughout this season, the fact that we started, even though to be fair, starting Jeff Driscoll was more of a charity case as opposed to actual need situation. The the fact that the Browns started five separate quarterbacks this year had a very comfortable winning record and made the playoffs. This was one of those seasons. I know the Browns have high expectations because of the talent on their roster. You, You still have to take the win that they even made it. Was it an ugly defeat? Sure. But the, the wheels were going to have to come off eventually with how injury depleted and how gutted this team actually was. And the fact that it, that did not occur until the playoffs, I still take that as a win. So for me, yes, it's unfortunate that the Browns did lose. Um, I will say going into, you know, 
earlier this morning when the Cleveland Browns fired Alex Van Pelt, Stump Mitchell, and their tight ends coach. I don't necessarily know what they're doing in that regard because you're firing people that are reporting to the head coach who's also the offensive coordinator and calling the plays. They're getting fired because they don't like the play call. I don't know why Stump Mitchell got fired, the running backs coach. Uh, he, He was literally working with spare parts all season and was able to put in a pretty good performance overall for the running backs. Clearly not what they anticipated for the season, but still, all things considered, good performance. So, again, I I, got to stand by it. I thought the Browns season was going to be a disaster with some of the injuries that occurred. The fact that they were able to make the playoffs, it, it was a good game for the first half. It was just frankly, two very, very badly timed throws by Joe Flacco is what turned that into a runaway. So for me, I think it was a much better game than the scoreboard actually indicated. And the fact that they did it on spare parts and basically operating like the Blues Mobile at the end of the Blues Brothers, where it's just a matter of time before literally everything fell apart. I still think it's a win. I still think it's a very successful season for the Browns, and I hope adamantly that the fan base takes it that way and obviously if you ever go on twitter for brown's twitter they're clearly not which is unfortunate so uh, allow me to be one of the grown up in the room voices here where it's like seriously this was a hugely successful season you come back at full strength next year it's probably going to be a much deeper run maybe legitimate super bowl aspirations for this team next season we might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day. Frickers pick up from the care out window, dine and get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app, find them online at Frickers.com. And stay tuned in this weekend for our coverage of high school basketball. Friday night, we'll have coverage of an SBC River matchup. Hopewell Loudon will take on Calvin in a game that could ultimately help decide who wins the SBC River. Matt Common and I. Hope to have that one coming your way on Friday night on both of our stations. And then same thing on Saturday, a little different story. We'll have a nearby rivalry matchup. It'll be Faustoria heading east on Route 18 to Bascom to take on Hopewell, Loudon, Matt Common. Tom Graham will have that one on Saturday, and that will be on both of our stations. And stay tuned in just because winter weather may affect that as well. So stay tuned on our social media channels and We'll let you know if, when there is any updates for any of those games coming over the next few days. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We come back. We'll talk with Mark Bunn, Van Buren head boys basketball coach here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. 
That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI here with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Pretty good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you again as well for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Always uh, appreciate getting to catch up with you. For you, what was it like uh, just kind of getting ready for uh, the season uh, this time around? Uh, it was a little more relaxed because uh, we had actually had an off season with the guys and we can work on several different things. Um, I thought we made some headways. And then uh, come in the season, though, and, and, and preseason was pretty awesome for us, I thought. Um, but then we hit our gauntlet of a schedule. But uh, it's good for us, though. That makes us better and figured out the things that we need to work on. And like you uh, said, second season for you now as uh, the head boys coach. So aside from just having an actual offseason, what were the uh, big differences for you from uh, last season to this season? I think the guys and the excitement and, and the readiness and wanting to play for me uh, and Van Buren, um, they put a lot of work in the offseason. So that helped out tremendously. Um, and that kind of made my job a little bit easier. Talking with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. A couple big wins for you guys uh, last week, getting wins uh, against Riverdale and Harden Northern. What were some of the uh, big things you saw from your team in those games? Uh, well, at first, uh, we didn't look so great to start both of those games out, and then we finally come in and settle down. Uh, just doing the little fundamental things right, uh, running our sets, executing, uh, not turning the ball over, uh, taking smart shot selections, I think uh, definitely prevailed us uh, down the stretch in both of those games. And something else we've kind of been curious about with uh, the different coaches we've talked with is uh, the new rules for the season, kind of getting rid of the one-and-ones uh, and having the bonus start at the five fouls for each quarter and then resetting. We've heard the coaches that love it, the coaches that maybe not so fans of it, and kind of some that are you know right towards the middle. Where would you kind of lie on the uh, rule change for this season? Well, that's a great question because uh, the first two games uh, we lost in overtime um, and some of those uh, shots should have been a one-on-one um, and they missed the first one um, and then they made the second one. So yes and no. Um, I look at sometimes as an offense perspective for me uh, when they're in foul trouble, obviously then that that's an advantage for us. So it, it can go both ways. Um, I guess only in a couple games, it's really been a factor, but other than that, uh, it's kind of hard to get five fouls and, and, and one, but also makes you think about the fourth quarter situation uh, when you have to foul and, and not foul and, and you get that opportunity. So I'm kind of both ways, I guess. Uh, now I'm just kind of adjusted to it and, and don't think two seconds about it. Huh? So, yeah. And coach, obviously with that rule change, with the removal of the one-on-one, I've, I've asked this a couple times with a couple different uh coaches that we've had on the show. And I'm curious your thoughts as well. A little more than halfway through the regular season at this stage. It, it seems to me like it actually has increased the level of physical play because teams feel a little bit more comfortable. That's getting reset every quarter. So you have a little bit more room to work with. Uh, what, what's been your takeaway on that so, so far this year? Does it feel like the game has gotten more physical because of it, especially in the later stages of the games or it, it has the calculus really changed up now in terms of the fouls because you don't have that one-on-one 
situations goes immediately to the two shots. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. I never really thought of it in that aspect. Uh, I think the game has definitely uh, gotten a lot more physical. Um, our game over at Hart Northern, um, that was pretty intense. I don't know if that was considered like a boxing match or not too. Um, and so, yeah, teams are obviously willing to put a little bit more effort, get out in the passing lanes, chest up people a little bit more, knowing that, hey, it's going to reset. Um I never really thought of it like that, but yeah, that is, I mean, it's, it's kind of playing forward uh, with the definitely the intensity of the game and the, the pressure and fouls. I know we've had quite a few fouls. We got a lot of hackers on my team, but, but I don't think it's because of that rule. I just think we're a little bit sometimes too over aggressive, you know? Along with Van Buren head boys, basketball coach Mark Bond here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, Classic Hits 96.7, WBBI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM, WFOB and one of the guys that's been a key player for you guys, uh, Parker Bilehars, uh, the last few years, and he's actually even upped his scoring from uh, from last season uh, compared to what he's done so far this season. So, what what has been the difference for him? You know, getting uh, the scoring up a little more this year compared to last year. Well, he's got a, a, a sounding crew around him, and he's buying into the system. Um, he's not necessarily playing around the perimeter as much like he did last year. Uh, he's in the post. He's banging around. Uh, I'd say a majority of his shots are right inside that, you know, five-foot range, and he's executing the offense exactly what we need. Um, he steps out every once in a while, and, and he's being also a little bit more aggressive, taking the ball to the hole, which I love to see. He's not the quickest guy on the court, but uh, he makes do with his athletic ability. And coach, with that, I mean, you just kind of hit the nail on the head. It's uh, what when I've watched Van Buren basketball, it hasn't necessarily been the 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 fastest team in all of Northwest Ohio by any means. But it 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 seems like it's a very deliberate style of play as well. So it it may not be fast, it may not be a high energy transition, but my God, it seems like everything has a purpose and very deliberate with intention and stuff like that where the passes are going, who's trying to get to the ball, where the ball is trying to get to, what open looks you're trying to create for your team. Is that just more adjusting the players that you have, or is that really what you're trying to establish with Van Buren? No, I mean, yeah, I'd like to establish that, establish that with Van Buren, but also it's it's kind of buying in with the, with the guys that I have. Um, you know, I can't – I mean, Parker and James, my big guys, they're not, you know, 100-yard sprinters by any means, but uh, – um, when we take the ball, we have to make sure we use each possession carefully and precisely. Um, last year, I think we had maybe like two sets we could run. Um, this year, we're up to about 10 different sets, and they're very methodic. And, and if we run it perfectly, uh, as I tell the boys, we always score. They can't stop us. So uh, they're starting to see that more and more. And, and yeah, definitely adjusting to what clientele I do have. And another guy that has uh, stepped up, up for you is uh, Seth Gregory, who had uh, a pretty big game on Saturday, having a 21 against Harden Northern, and certainly seems like for him when that three's fallen, makes him uh, makes him pretty hard to uh, hard to stay in front of. Yeah, he is a sharp shooter, and when he gets on fire, he's just going to keep launching it up, and they're going to go in. That's what I see every day in practice. And he gets a couple rolling, man. Oh man, it's every time. It's in. It's in. It's in. And and one thing too is he's phenomenally defensively minded. Um, one guy that always dropping backside, helping, recovering. Um, he's just a real gritty player besides his three-point shooting.
And and with that three point shooting for the rest of your team, um, I I know Lance will continue to appreciate whatever I reference his Orlando Magic from over the years. Is, is it a live by the three, die by the three type of team, or are are we feeling pretty good of letting you know he he does his thing, the rest of it we're trying to work inside and get those uh easy lanes and easy buckets. I still give the guys the green light, but uh, it seems to me um, we're living and dying by the three. When it's on, we're great. Um, two quarters against Hard Northern, we shot more threes than we did twos, and we struggled in those two quarters. So I think the guys got to see we got to establish the post area first, and then that'll open up the outside. Um, some of the guys early on were really hitting it from three points, and, and now we're kind of like struggling. We're in a little funk. Uh, Seth seemed to make his way out of that. So Hopefully, you know, we take it when we need it, but also stick to the basics. Talking with Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bunn here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers studios. And we're, we're talking Tuesday morning, so if anyone is recollecting what it was like on Tuesday, it wasn't great outside. So there's a chance that you guys play Arcadia tonight. There's a chance you guys don't play Arcadia again because of the weather. So l- let's assume for at least the standpoint of you guys will play a game tonight. What are some of the things you are looking forward to seeing from them? Um, from my standpoint, my guys, just being fundamentally sound and putting four quarters together. Um, Arcadia, man, they got a sharpshooter stoner. Um, they run some nice sets from that aspect. But uh, hopefully we just come through and, and we do what we need to do to take care of business and not try to do anything fancy. And with that, I mean, the, the weather has just been absurd, which is why I love basketball season because it's all inside. We don't have to ask the question, how's your team preparing for the cold or anything like that? But I will ask it this way. It does there, what as a team do you guys actually do with that kind of uncertainty? I mean, Obviously, different animal entirely from a sport that's outside because you guys play it indoors in the arena. But having this extreme weather like we've been having to kind of mess with that game prep, kind of get prepared for the games, not really have it at the right. What, what does the mindset go to if you get the alert from the AD where it's like, hey, game's actually postponed because it's, been t- it's too cold or the weather's too bad? Does that turn into a practice night? Does that turn into everyone just go home, watch film? Like, I've always been curious about that. What what adjustment do you guys make then in those particular moments? Yeah, right now, you know, even with the delay or the cancellation, I'm looking at trying to get at least in uh, before the game for some shoot around. I got to work around the girls. Uh, I do have the elementary. Those things go through. Um, and it's like you always prep, 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 and you're ready to go. And now all of a sudden you got to change your prep in case it gets canceled. We got to move to the next game. Um, but if, if it does get canceled, we'll practice tonight. Um, get after it, see where games we might move it. Um, we talked to maybe Wednesday, Thursday. We don't know yet, but uh, hopefully we just play our game and we can move on. Love that Ohio weather. Oh, the Ohio's great. If you if you don't like the weather, stick around for five minutes. It's going to change on you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, getting back to your players for a moment, one of those kids, one of those young men that you do have really uh, stepping up a home in. Well, what have you seen from him? so far this season that uh, makes feel good as one of the younger guys on the team. Uh, he, he's just like James, James Holman is like my Dennis Rodman, you know, uh, he takes care of all the junk balls inside. He's just physical. He's a leader. Um, he a lot of times calls the plays, what he wants to run, what he sees. He's kind of my uh, quarterback on the field, which I love. 
Um, and he loves it. You know, and he, he just tells you, make me accountable. You know, if I make mistakes, lay into me, coach. Let me know it, uh, which is pretty awesome. Not too many guys can handle that these days. And as we're kind of talking about the different prep for, you know, if there's weather, if there's not weather, that sort of thing, uh, you guys also have some another interesting scenario because you guys are off on Friday, then you have a Saturday night uh, road game when you head over to Northwood. So how different is that to not have a Friday, a, a planned Friday without a game, whereas, you know, there's obviously been some instances where weather will play a role, but to not have a game on Friday, how different does that kind of change things uh, from that perspective? Yeah, it, it's definitely a different as, aspect of it. Um, we had already happened once earlier in the season, um, and we have the wrestling invites, so we really don't have any gym availability at Van Buren. Um, so we're actually going to the University of Finley and practicing there. And, and you want to try to practice later in the day because that's when normally they would play. If you practice earlier, earlier in the morning, then they're sitting for you know several hours before they even touch the ball again. Um, but hopefully we'll get a morning shoot around. But some maybe in the elementary gym Saturday before we go uh, to Northwood. Otherwise, that's like a long break. It's just, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but uh, it all works out. Well, I'm sure Lance would appreciate this question. I mean, can can you just describe the greatness that is Northwood High School and basketball there program yet. there? Um, that what one of the most esteemed alumni to have ever graced the hardwood, Lance Morris. I well, mean, he would hmm. definitely want to know your thoughts of that Northwood team. For sure. You know, they, they just got a win the other night. Um, I think they got the great opportunity to make a run too and get some W's before they play us. Uh, they've been in some close games. Um, I haven't really watched too much on the film on them. I got a couple films, but I haven't really scoped them out. I know they got a point guard that's pretty smooth. Um, they got a big man in there. But uh, right now I've just been focusing on Arcadia. And naturally, um, what is the other, what just in general, kind of the message to your team throughout the week as, again, we kind of talk about the just uncertainty with the weather, you know, playing a role, being as cold as it is, kind of what's the message to your team to try and stay on focus when there is all this uh, weather variability to deal with this week? You just got to be prepared and ready to go, you know, anticipate we're always going to play, get that excitement level up. Um, they bring it every time, even especially over the winter time or the Christmas break. Uh, the excitement's level is there, even though our record might not show it. Uh, we played some tough teams, uh, but we have to compete. And, and one of our seniors said, you know, I, I think of our uh, team as a family. Um, so hopefully they're getting together. Um, I challenged them to watch some film today. So hopefully they're watching some film, anticipating our game's going to happen. And, and I will definitely echo that sentiment, Coach, you just mentioned about your record it's yeah not the greatest record on paper but my goodness you guys have had a gauntlet of a season so far in terms of your schedule it, it, it is that something where you as a coach then in terms of assessing where you're at at this stage of the season because of that schedule you kind of toss the win loss record portion of it out the window and focus on each individual game and like the aspects in those games or is it still one of those where it's like, hey, at the end of the day, we still need to get W's in these situations? No, I mean, yeah, we want to get the W's. But, yeah, you throw that record out the, out the window and just, you know, uh, one of my buddies asked me, you know, how the season's going. And, and he asked me what my record was. And I said, well, here, let me tell you about my team. And I went through each of my players and talked about what their capabilities are, what they're doing for my team. He goes, I think I get a clear, clear picture of what your team is. I don't need to know your record. Um, so that's what I kind of focus with these guys and what they can do. Uh, record aside, hey, 
every game, everybody's undefeated going into it, and they're going to battle. And they see our record, and they're going to bring their A game for sure because Van Buren's a steam uh, basketball program, and they want to knock us off. So we got to be ready to go. This has been Van Buren head boys basketball coach Mark Bung. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us, and good luck throughout the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks for having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Van Buren girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Everyday values are at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember, draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money-saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Morgan Advanced Materials has had a great 2023, and as the semiconductor industry soars, so does the demand for our products. The Fostoria Performance Carbon Division is scaling up our operations and expanding. We'd like you to be a part of our innovative team. Morgan Advanced Materials is hiring for multiple positions, including industrial and quality engineers, electrical controls engineers, capital projects engineers, EH&S generalists, and electrical project engineers. So come join our team that produces state-of-the-art electrical carbon products that are vital for our future economy. Are you ready to make an impact? Impact, make your mark on future generations. So apply today and join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Faustoria, Ohio. Call us at 419-889-1300 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 cents an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria. Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFB Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Van Buren Head Girls Basketball Coach Jaden Tabler here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you again for for taking the time to talk with us. Always good to catch up with you. Let's take a quick look back to last season. Obviously, great run to the district title game a season ago. Uh, how much did that kind of influence things? You know, over the summer as you started to look towards uh, towards the season that we're in the middle of now. Sure, I think you know anytime you can make a deep tournament run, uh, it's free experience. You know, anybody that's coming back that has played in that type of game really wants a shot at that again you know I've, I've never heard one team that said oh we went to the district finals but our our goal is to only win you know the sectional this year you know they want to they want to go taste that again and we got a lot of girls that were on that team last year that are back and you know they want to make it back to that district final game but they they understand that it doesn't just happen you know you have to put in the work for it so I mean it definitely had a huge impact on what we've done and what we did over the summer um but like I said, you know, it's free experience and you want to, you want to taste that again. 
And you knew, of course, did have a handful of key players to replace, including Sasha Busey, along with uh, Paige Bowen and a few others. But so what was it like getting ready for the season this time around, you know, trying to kind of build off the momentum from last season? Uh, sure. I thought we had a really good summer. Um, unfortunately, we we've been dealing with a few injuries this year, uh, so you can't really prepare for that. Um, I thought our summer was really good of kind of implementing what we wanted to do this year. Um, and then when you lose, you know, a few key players and you lose your personnel that, you know, you were going to run a specific style with, you know, you, you kind of have to go back to the drawing board a little bit and, you know, determine what, what is, what is our strengths? What are, you know, what are our weaknesses? You know, what are the areas that we need to focus on the most in the summer and then kind of leading up to the season. So it's kind of been a rocky road for us. You know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster just because we have lost um, quite a few with injuries. But, you know, we've got we've got a bunch of young girls that are stepping up. They're they're trying to compete. They're trying to give it their best, you know, but they're still learning the game at the same time. And, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. But at the same time, it's it's important to win. It is. Um, we try to win every game more than the other team wants it, you know, and that's hard to do. Um, the, everybody's got the desire to win, but um, it's really hard to have the willingness to prepare to win. And we talk about that a lot in our program. Um, but I think our, our underclassmen have done a really good job of just buying in um, and trying to get us to the level we want to be. So that's been a huge help. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios talking with Van Buren Head Girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler. You mentioned it with the injuries, so, so I'll kind of stick with that for the moment. Obviously, like you've alluded to, it's been something you've had to deal with with Zoe Fruth, uh, Briley Pond, uh, Cami Bowman all have missed a lot of, if not uh, some significant time, you know, because of the injuries. So uh, when you have a handful kind of stacked up like that, how much does it kind of just go down the list? I know you already mentioned, you know, some of the offensive changes you've had to make, but, you know, what does that kind of do to the team when you're missing basically about half of, you know, some of the players you were going to uh, heavily rely on? Yeah, I think, you know, the <laughs> – the smaller your numbers, the more competitive it gets at practice. Um, when spots become available, you know, if the underclassmen want it, they're going to find a way. And I think that's what we're starting to run into. We've really taken a turn at the new year where our underclassmen live in the gym. They're gym reps. They're there every day. And they're trying to learn the game. They're trying to get better. They're trying to get out of their comfort zone. And that's, that's what we're about. That's what our program's here for. You know, it's, it's to build, build yourself up to be the best possible version of yourself, no matter what you're doing, you know, uh, adversity is going to hit and it's how you handle yourself. You know, you can, you can pack it in and say, up, oh, looks like it's not our year, or we can try to figure this thing out. And like you said, make a, make a trip back to the district title. Um, I think we've done the groundwork to get there. Um, and I think time will continue to help us. But as we get, you know, later into the season, hopefully get a few more back, uh, a few more off our injuries, I think, you know, that we're not going to be a team that uh, teams are going to want to go play. Last week did get a uh, nice win uh, last Thursday against Riverdale. What were some of the big things you uh, saw from your team in, uh, in that win last week? Uh, I thought our tempo on offense was so much better. Uh, we, we try to run on a miss. Um, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll try to slow it down depending on the game. 
but you know we thought we had the size mismatch we wanted to just kind of run them and get them up and down the floor and we really settled in uh, we used a ton of ball screens uh, we made a few adjustments off of those but I thought in general, uh, we were making the right reads and right adjustments on offense, and uh, that'll go a long way through four quarters. Something else we've been kind of curious about when we've uh, talked to some of the different coaches is uh, just the new rules for, for this season, getting rid of the one-and-ones, uh, having the bonus start at five fouls each quarter. We've heard kind of the glowing reviews of the coaches like it, liking it, and we've also heard some coaches that are not uh, big fans of uh, of the new rule change where where would you say you uh, fall you know between liking it loving it or being on the opposite side yeah i think you know like you said there are some mixed opinions on it but i i personally enjoy it i think that it allows you to play um i would rather our girls go play in a really physical game instead of you know maybe the ones where we're calling some smaller hand checks and stuff like that. Uh, I just think that's the way the basketball is moving right now, you know, the modern era of it. Um, I guess that's where I would fall underneath it. But I, I do think that, you know, the rule change has created some strategy changes and you know how to use your bench in certain areas differently. Um, certainly, uh, if we can get healthy, we'll probably make some bigger changes to what we're trying to do there. But it, you know, it rewards you if you play good defense and you don't foul. So I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM WFOB. Talking with Van Buren head girls basketball coach Jaden Tabler. And Brooklyn Wilkin has stepped into a major role as a freshman. And you know, how quickly did you know she would become as seemingly important to the team as she kind of already has, you know, as we're about midway through her freshman year. Yeah, I think over the summer we got a really good glimpse. Uh, we were able to see her play with, you know, some of our returners and just the speed of the game changes a little bit as a freshman. But she has done a phenomenal job. You know, she's one of those kids that she's just in the gym, you know. She puts in the time. She's trying to get better. Um is she even close to where her potential is? No, and we understand that, you know, but she's doing everything necessary to make sure that, you know, like we said, she's the best possible version of herself after four years in our program. Um, I think that she really had to grow up fast this year. Um, I think the first few games, you know, we had, we had a pretty tough schedule to start, and, you know, she just kind of got thrown out there with no choice, you know, when Zoe went down, um, Zoe was going to be our main option down low. And so then Brooklyn had to kind of just step into that, you know, not being ready for it. Um, but she's really learned how to, you know, manage her game, how people are going to guard her. Um, she's a threat when she's out there. She can move. She's crazy athletic. She can jump out of the gym. And I'm, I'm really thankful that we got her on our team because I definitely wouldn't want to prepare to play her. And like we've alluded to with the different injuries, you've had, you know, various levels of players, you know, that have stepped up that maybe some weren't even supposed to be on, you know, the varsity level or get time at the varsity level this season. But, you know, with uh, in part the injuries, uh, that has uh, been the case. What can you say about, you know, some of those other uh, younger freshmen, sophomores that uh, have stepped up for you so far? Yeah, I think there's been multiple times where we've had three freshmen and a sophomore on the floor. 
Um, so, you know, it's a blessing in disguise. You never, you never think that's something you're going to see, especially in a, you know, at a school like Van Buren, you're usually trying to manage small numbers with having a JV team playing four quarters and, you know, injuries don't help that. Um, but I think, you know, it's just something that we got to move forward with. And I think our freshmen are just buying in. Like I said, they're in the gym all the time. You can't beat that as a coach. You know, you can sit there and tell them ABC of what they need to do, but it's the willingness to prepare to win that is really just springing them forward and almost maturing them into sophomores and juniors uh, as we enter the last bit of the year. Uh, that's That's been a thing we've talked about since I've been at Van Buren is, you know, once you, once you get a certain point, you get later in the year, you know, the games in February matter and you want to be playing your best basketball then. So if you do all the work necessary as a freshman and as a sophomore, hopefully we can get you playing, you know, a year above where you're at um, by the end of the season. And so I think, you know, our, our freshmen are doing a phenomenal job. I can't say enough about it. We got some sophomores that are stepping up too, having to take up some big minutes. Um, and it's been, it's been really good to see, you know, it's promising uh, for the future. And looking ahead to Thursday, you guys will take on Arcadia team. That has been a very successful so far this year in their own right. What have been uh, some of the things you've uh, seen from them and getting ready for that one? Yeah, really, really good team. Uh, Coach Baker's got them going over there this year. They, uh, they are fundamentally sound. Uh, they can push tempo. They're fast. They can shoot lights out. You know, that's, that's a recipe for a good team right there. Uh, I think, you know, obviously this week's a huge one for us. Our, our backs are kind of against the wall right now with having a early conference loss. Um, but these are the games that we want to play in. You know, our girls are going to be fired up and ready to go. And we know that they're going to be ready to go too. You know, these are two teams that are trying to compete and win games. And I think, you know, that's, that's what our conference is about. You want to play in these games, good environments. You know, it's a smaller gym. It's going to be loud in there. Um, those, those are the games our girls want to play in. And, you know, we try to do everything necessary to make sure they're ready to go for those. Um, but we're going to have to continue getting after it this week to make sure we're ready to win. And then lastly, kind of what's the message to your team, not only just for this game, but throughout the rest of the year as, you know, you try to navigate the different uh, injury issues your team has already faced and just trying to, you know, get to on track towards, you know, success uh, in the later parts in the postseason part of the season. So, again, what overall is the message uh, to your team? Sure. I think, you know, since the new year, we really tried to buy into the fact that it's easy to do it, all the little things when it's convenient, you know, but when, when adversity hits and whatever, you know, shape that is, you got to know how to handle it. And, that's that's what makes you good you know when when you can when you, when you go lose a game on the road or you lose at home you know it doesn't feel good but it's how you handle yourself after that you know we can pack it in like we said and call it a season or we can just put our head down and keep working and, and find a way to win the next one um, and that's been a huge theme for us is just you know everybody does it when it's convenient you know you're, you're fresh at practice your legs are moving it's easy to have a ton of energy on defense but when you're tired and it's the fourth quarter and, you know, you're trying to get some air, you know, that's where you got to just dig in. And that's where we talk about being true competitors and it's not convenient then. And that's where, that's where true competitors are born right there. And so that's been, 
a, a daily talk with our team and they're doing a phenomenal job of trying to buy into that. You know, it's not easy and it's acquired thing that you have to, you have to learn. It takes time. Um, but they're taking the steps necessary. This has been Van Buren head girls basketball coach, Jaden Tabor coach. Thanks you once again for taking the time to talk with us and good luck on Thursday and throughout the rest of the way. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk NFL playoff action here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Big thanks to Van Buren basketball coaches Mark Bunn and Jaden Tabler for joining us today on the show. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons, and we're not physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. can get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Download the Frickers app to see more and place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, of course, there's plenty of things to talk about in terms of the NFL. So let's at least talk in the coaching realm since there's been the one move that has already been for sure made with the New England Patriots hiring Gerard Mayo as their new head coach after the Mutual parting of ways with Bill Belichick. So what are your thoughts on uh, the move of them uh, bringing in Mayo as their uh, their new head coach? Oh, well, I think it makes sense. I mean, Gerard Mayo, his entire professional career has been New England. I mean, if there's ever someone that could legitimately be considered an heir apparent perfe- as a professional replacement to Bill Belichick, it's going to be someone who spent their entire time in the Bill Belichick system. He he's a Belichick guy. He knows what it takes. He was a very I, I think a lot of people forget about this. He was a phenomenal linebacker for years. I mean, he was very fun to watch. So I, I think he's a great hire. I think it's a very solid choice for them. And I I think it's a good showing on the Patriots part because his contract, when he did agree to stick around and be the basically the defensive coordinator. I, I mean, the reality is Bill Belichick was really calling all the shots in that regard. But when Mayo agreed to stick around, they put language in his contract to make him the heir apparent. So I, I appreciate that New England actually stuck with that. I feel that it shows a level of continuity that most teams don't really abide by nowadays. And I, I think it's a good hire. I really do. If I were to grade it, which I will at some point, everyone knows I like to throw my grades out there on social media for stuff. 
but I, I'd probably grade it as an A. I, I think it's a really good move. I think it get, maintains continuity. I think it allows the Patriots to really not necessarily have to aggressively recreate themselves through free agency or the draft or gaining all sorts of new personnel. I, I think it's going to be more steady as she goes with them. And to be perfectly honest about it, the way the Patriots are built, it's just a matter of fixing two positions, quarterback and wide receiver, and you'll probably be back to being a competitive team. So can, can we expect a Houston Texans level turnaround from the Patriots? Probably not. I think that might be a little unrealistic. But by the same token, I, I think they'll turn it around a lot quicker than people think. And I think Gerard Mayo is going to be a big part of that. Uh, seems like he's a good motivator. Seems like he understands the team inside and out. He's been in this organization for his entire professional career, like I mentioned. So I like it. I, I actually do like that hire quite a bit. And then we still, of course, have a handful of the other jobs that are open. Falcons, Chargers, Panthers, Raiders, Seahawks, Titans, Commanders, all the ones that are open at this moment. And there's been, I mean, there's been interviews for most, if not all of those jobs, but I mean, there's some that are, we're starting to kind of get an idea of their leading candidates, but even then nothing, uh, nothing super concrete has uh, hit the scene just yet. Oh, well you, you can tell which teams think that they're not in a rebuild is the simple answer. Um, Atlanta and Los Angeles being the two that have interviewed Belichick as well as um, Harbaugh, they clearly are showing the mindset that it's it's not a rebuild, it's a retool for them, and they'll be ready to go. So I, it does seem to present their mindsets a little bit, but let's be perfectly clear for Harbaugh and Belichick. They're not being interviewed. They're interviewing the teams. Those two in particular could quite literally go out, make a press conference and announce which team they want to sign with. And that team is probably just going to say, okay. And so for, for them, it's a, it's a little bit of a wild card because I think those two might end up dueling it out for those positions. But to be fair, the Cowboys job might open up here shortly. The Eagles job might actually open up here shortly. We, we don't know for sure because the way those two teams lost over this past weekend was kind of devastating. And I, I don't know if coaching wise, they can really recover from that. So uh, th there there's, there's still some openings in play. I, I think, um, I think Carolina is actually going about in a pretty smart fashion. It seems like they are looking for someone young someone who they can grow with the team as the team grows, which makes a lot of sense. I think they are very much in a rebuild. I think for the Titans, it appears that they're starting to lean into the rebuild, which is long overdue, probably about two years overdue at this point. Um, commanders, I actually love the hiring of Myers as their GM and like the head of like football operations. Say what you will about me being a Cleveland fan and hating Golden State. There's no denying that Golden State team was built phenomenally well. So if that can translate onto the football field as well, I really think Washington can turn things around in a big, big way very quickly. So yeah, it's uh, I'm 
I'm curious to see where a lot of these land. I will make this prediction at this stage. I really hope the Las Vegas Raiders are not stupid and they just go ahead and hire Antonio Pierce. It's that you had this opportunity with uh, Rich Biasica a couple years ago when he was the interim guy. All the players want him. They're like, nope, we're going to get Josh McDaniels. And that was a train wreck. Listen to your players. Your players want Antonio Pierce. Give them Antonio Pierce. And it should work. I mean, he, he certainly looked the part at different times this season. So the, I'm, I'm making that prediction that the Raiders are not going to Raiders this and actually just hire Antonio Pierce and call it a day. I think the only thing that makes me curious about it still is the fact that they haven't already made that decision. I feel like if that was going to be, and of course still might end up being the case, but I feel like if that was the direction they were going to go, they would have already kind of done it by now. Don't you think? Yeah. And that makes me concerned too, but by the same token, now that Antonio Pierce is getting interest from other head coaching jobs, there's a small part of me that feels that maybe they were, trying to gauge if they actually did have a head coach. Does that make sense? Like, is he actually a head coach or is he just a coordinator that did halfway decent on an interim basis? Having teams interviewing him for their head coaching position, that tells me the rest of the league recognizes this guy as a legitimate head coach. So hopefully the Raiders catch the hint. By the same token, the Raiders could also be magically hoping that Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, or Jim Harbaugh suddenly decide that the Las Vegas Raiders are the premier organization that they want to go to and get one of those guys. That That's possible as well. They could be looking at getting a heavyweight to come in. And even crazier than that, I have heard rumblings and discussions that uh, Mark Davis and the organization as a whole Kind of potentially even looking at bringing back John Gruden for a third time. There has been rumblings about even with him being, you know, sent to the uh, sent to the ether, as it were, because of the email scandal that they had between him and um, Bruce Allen, Bruce Allen, yeah, from the commanders. There's been some rumblings that they might try and bring him back. So I like I don't know. This is why I'm like I really hope the Raiders don't Raider this. Antonio Pierce seems like a good fit. K- kind of gives me those Dan Campbell vibes, to be honest. It's it, he gives me the same type of vibes that Dan Campbell gives off. Where it's like he's played, he knows what it takes, and his personality just seems to be fitting that organization very well. So here's hoping they don't screw it up, and they just go ahead and move on with Antonio Pierce. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common talking some NFL coaching moves. And now let's transition and look back at the first round of the playoffs. Saturday, the Texans beat up on the Browns. The Chiefs took care of business against the Dolphins. Sunday, the Packers shocked a lot of people with a 48-32 win over the Cowboys down in Texas. The Lions able to get past the Rams. And then Monday, the Bills won over the Steelers and the Bucks beat up on the Eagles. So plenty to react to uh, from the first round. What were some of the big things that stand out to you? Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the Super Bowl, baby. No. Just going to leave it at that. 
That's no. all. I'm, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not going to just say that. No, uh, what really stood out to me is so- something that I've brought up on more than one occasion. I think I brought it up last year. I think I brought it up in years past. The The false reality of resting your players needs to be addressed by these teams. Because I do believe outside of... Well, actually, no, because but the, the only team that rested players that won was Kansas City. Every other team that rested players or let some players get some breathers, they lost. It's as simple as that. It's I've I've never understood that philosophy because momentum is so critical and you can't go in rusty into a postseason play. So for, for my two cents, looking at a game coming up, uh, Houston versus Baltimore, my money's actually on the Texans. They've had to be in playoff mode for the last six weeks. They haven't rested anybody. They're actually still healthy. They're actually getting people back because they continue to play. Ravens, on the other hand, their entire starting unit has not played a game in two and a half weeks. So, I mean, it's they're going to be coming in pretty sluggish. I mean, you saw that with Cleveland. It took them a quarter and a half just to get slightly up to speed. And at that point, it was kind of too late. Same thing with Dallas. It's getting them up to speed. It was too late at that point. The Rams may be the only ones who actually rested players that made a go of it in that game. And I'll even take it a step further in regards to Kansas City being the only team that actually won after resting players. Did they win or did the negative 23 degrees win for them against Miami? I feel if they had to play Buffalo or another team, I don't think they win that game if it's a team that's used to cold environments. So that, I, I, I hope teams take this and recognize that when you rest your players, you are doing so at a massive detriment. I understand to a point why Cleveland did it just because of all the injuries. But by the same token, you saw how poorly that worked out. It, really, every team that rested somebody arrested significant amount of players. You saw how badly it worked out. So hopefully going forward, we'll see that teams elect not to rest them or at the bare minimum, still let them get reps, but maybe not let them play the whole game in that final week or if they've already clinched a spot because the the evidence is overwhelming that odds are not really in your favor once you rest players, but if you stay active and keep the team out there, you tend to be pretty successful. When I think, uh, I think this week could be kind of the ultimate litmus test for rust versus rust. Just when you factor in what we saw, of course, from the first round, but I know that there was a, there was a study that came out uh, from like the NBA. I, it was, I think it was someone uh, independent of the NBA, but it was on basically load management. And it says, basically it doesn't do what you think it's doing. And I think that if we do see the Niners on the wrong side of a blowout, same thing for the Ravens, I think if we see that this coming week, then I think a lot more people are going to be like, oh, maybe resting isn't the best thing, but it also could be the complete opposite and that both of those teams are that good that it won't matter and it'll they'll just kind of pick up where they left off. So it'll, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out because – could really swing the thoughts on that discussion one way or another based on what we see this weekend. Uh, oh, sure. And it's worth mentioning. I mean, when it comes to Baltimore and San Francisco, they're two very, very good teams. 
I mean, it's the the likelihood of them being extremely rusty that it's a blowout is very unlikely. But if you were to give me, let's say, a final score for the Baltimore game of Houston 27, Baltimore 21 or 24, I'd believe that. I'd absolutely believe that. I, I, I'll, I'll use the Texans as a prime example. I think they are a perfect example of a team that's peaking at just the right time and a team that has a lot more talent than people actually realize on it. I mean, CJ Stroud, you and I have been banging the drum for CJ Stroud when he was at Ohio State whenever we talked with Kevin Harris, but had you told me CJ Stroud was going to come into the NFL and throw for 4,100 and have the best touchdown to interception ratio and frankly just take the Cleveland Browns for a walk in his first career playoff game, I'd say you're expecting too much, expecting way too much. And it just seems like he continues to get better. So for a Baltimore team that kind of has some struggles, even though they're good and a very good team, the number one seed, man, that Texans team, I I don't want to play them. (laughs) That's my mindset. I wouldn't want to play them. I'm kind of terrified of them. I was scared of the Texans going into the game against the Browns. I really wanted it to be Jacksonville or Indianapolis. So... Yeah, I mean, that that it's going to be a good example of active time versus rust or rest versus rust situation. Um, I think San Francisco Green Bay is going to be another prime example of that just because those two teams hate each other. So how much is the two weeks off really going to impact them versus it just being a great rivalry game? So we'll see. Uh, the, the, the point of this opening round of the postseason, this super wild card, I believe they were calling it, which is just stupid. Just call it the wild card doesn't need to be a super wild card. But the point that I take away from this previous week was the fact that teams that have rested and kind of took their foot off the gas proved once again that you really can't do that. And I do feel that there is a little bit of a change in the guard going on right now. I mean, you think about NFC teams, you think about teams like the Cowboys, the Packers, the giants you you think about them as consistently being these top tier teams it completely threw me for a curveball that the buccaneers have the most playoff wins in the nfc since 2020 that that blows my mind and that's not just me being a fan of them that's just genuinely it's a change in the guard you have the packers were supposed to have a burn it down season Instead, Jordan loves in the MVP conversation has a perfect passer rating in his first playoff game against the Cowboys team that I believe led the NFL in interceptions. So, I mean, it's it, you really are seeing a change in the guard in the NFL that I don't think people were necessarily prepared for. And it's it's a good thing for the league. It's a very good thing for the league. Is one of or both of the combination of Mike McCarthy and or Nick Sirianni, is one, both, or neither going to be let go? Reply hazy, ask again later. I Personally, I think Nick Sirianni has more job security than Mike McCarthy does, only because um, Lori in Philadelphia is a little bit more stable of a structured organization guy than Mike McCarthy is. And 
just call it as is. The, the Eagles were a field goal away from winning the Super Bowl last year and a bad pass interference call away from winning the Super Bowl. Sirianni might not be the problem. He certainly seems like he's not necessarily the solution. But when you lose both your coordinators to head coaching jobs, you have to fill them in. Not that either one did a bad job. The, the defensive coordinator, he wasn't great. And if you then you bring in Matt Patricia, which is just a train wreck waiting to happen. Why does he have a pencil? It's a laminated sheet. I've been saying why? this for years. It, it bothered me so much watching the game Monday night. It's like, why does he have a pencil? It's a laminated sheet of paper. So not important. But I, I, to be honest, I think they're going to lose their offensive coordinator again. I think Brian Johnson is going to get one of these head coaching jobs. Even with the poor performance from the team on Monday, I think that had more to do with the Buccaneers' defense than it did the Eagles' offense. So, <sighs> Sirianni, I think he's safe. Mike McCarthy, I don't know how he hasn't been fired yet. I, I mean, for the depth. Dallas Cowboys, it's it's Jerry's world. We all just happen to live in it. So how he has not been fired either tells me that the players absolutely are vouching for him, or Jerry Jones is not convinced that he can get Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, or Mike Vrabel. That that's that's where my mindset goes. Because I don't think he wants to go with a coordinator. I think he'd want to bring in a big time name to replace him. And I just, I think Jerry Jones just has not been able to get that kind of success to bring someone in. That has to be the only reason McCarthy still has a job. And it's, it's so interesting because if nothing else, you could have made the argument that they could have, could have, should have fired McCarthy last year. And then, and then this year had a better, better regular season. So because of that, the expectations were that much higher and, you know, pair that with the fact they hadn't lost at home all season long. And, you know, aside from really the lions game, they hadn't even been close at home. They had been blowing out most of the teams that they had played at home too. So it's, I, I, yeah, it's, it's the same. It's similar. It's a little similar to what we were talking about with Alabama. When we were like, if you're replacing Nick Saban, you kind of got to bring in a name that is, of the top tier of the top echelon. And maybe it's just waiting. It's maybe more of a waiting game of, Oh, let's kind of put out the feelers and see who we can get. But it's, I, I am still very surprised. I I thought it it wouldn't have taken 24 hours before that move would have been made. And it still could be made, but just the fact that it hasn't yet is still surprising. Well, Well, and the thing that surprised me, first of all, Let's just address this right now. We're only saying brain in a heavyweight just because it's Jerry Jones. Oh, yeah. Mike McCarthy is not the type of legendary coach where you have to bring in a big name to replace him. So let, we'll just be clear on that one up front. It's just oh, because yeah. no, I, I was more his... speaking of the gravitas of the Cowboys than of Mike McCarthy. Exactly. It's th- that's the thing. The, the Cowboys name recognition, branding, Jerry Jones, America's team. It's. Like, I can see them bringing in a big name because of that. But, yeah, when it comes to Mike McCarthy especially, I I thought he was a bad hire to begin with. Uh, And I think the team has been good kind of in spite of McCarthy. Because at the end of the day, when you look at this Cowboys team, there's elite players on that roster. There's no denying it. 
So the reality is, as a head coach with that organization, you should be able to win 10 games by sleeping through every meeting that you have. You're really just a babysitter when it comes to the regular season. You get two games against the Giants, two games against the Eagles, which are probably tough depending on how the Eagles are doing that particular year. Two games against the Commanders. From my perspective, with the talent that the Cowboys have on that roster, they should win the division pretty much every year. They really should, or at least be in contention for the division every year. So I, I think they need to bring in somebody. I personally would fire McCarthy. Um, I'd give Sirianni one more year. But I'd say between the two of them, McCarthy is the one that should be looking for work way more than Sirianni is. And then also what we had uh, following the Eagles game, uh, Jason Kelsey tells teammates that he's going to be retiring and, Obviously, he's been in the news uh, a lot more over the last few years, of course, with uh, starting the podcast and having the documentary, all that good stuff. Where do you kind of put him in terms of, you know, next level? Is he a surefire Hall of Famer? What's kind of your thoughts on him? Oh, first ballot. First ballot Hall of Famer. Um, to, To be fair, though, on his In the Heights podcast, he did say that the the rumors of his retirement are not completely true. He just wants to make an official announcement about. So this might be a slightly premature conversation still. We'll see. But I think he's going to hang it up. I, I feel he's going to stick with it and end up retiring. But for me, I think he's one of the top five centers in the history of the game. I really do. I mean, there's some great centers that have come through. I mean, Jim Otto, Mike Webster, Germani Dawson, Olin Krutz. Um, I mean, there's... Frank Gatsky's another one that comes to mind. Bruce Matthews technically played center at different points throughout his career. Uh, same thing with Russ Grimm. So there, there's a lot of great centers that have come through. I genuinely think Jason Kelsey is the best center of the modern free agent era. If you were to make an all era team for the free agency era from like 92 to present, I think he's the center on that team. I, I'd put him over guys like Alex Mack and heartbeat. Same with Travis Frederick or Logan Mangold. So I, I think he's a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. Se- Seven-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, won a Super Bowl, wildly popular with the fan base in Philadelphia as well as the NFL as a whole. Good personality. And for my money, probably one of the few players that truly presented what it's like being an offensive lineman in the NFL in an honest way. Not just the, oh, yeah, we're big, tough, and we got to, like, you know, grunt and push people around because that's all we do he really presented the technical side of being an offensive lineman throughout his career so for me i i think it's a no-brainer he's a shoe in for the hall of fame probably a first ballot guy and for my money he 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 probably makes the cut for the rushmore of all-time great nfl centers if if he doesn't he's the first guy off the bench in that scenario this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI, Lance Matt Common here, now going to take a look at the divisional round of the postseason. Coming up, we on Saturday have Texans-Ravens, then Packers-Niners. Sunday, we have Bucks-Lions, and another round of Chiefs versus Bills. And oddly enough... Honestly, I really wouldn't be all that surprised if Texans-Ravens is the closest of these games. I mean, they all have the potential to be, 
very close games, but just with everything going on with how well Houston played last week against a very good Browns defense, it gives me, you know, hope that they can, you know, kind of replicate some of that against Baltimore. And not that all the other games are going to be blowouts, but I mean, you could, if the Packers can replicate what they did last week, obviously that would be very, very big if they can do that against the Niners and, you know, Bucks Lions, it's, you just have, you know, a couple teams that, you know, you don't want to say they're happy to be there, but they are both teams that didn't have these sorts of expectations. I know the Lions have a little more expectations than the Bucks do, of course, but I think each team was just happy to have won their first round playoff game. And then Chiefs Bills, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs won, but I'd be a little surprised if the Chiefs won just because of how, you know, things have gone from them over these last few weeks. But you know, same token, if Josh Allen, Josh Allen's for, you know, lack of a better term and, you know, has a handful of turnovers that could, uh, that could be the ultimate difference in that one too. Oh, well, I think what's interesting about both these slates of games, I- I'm of the belief that I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. it's, I, I really don't see any of them being a green Bay versus Dallas or a Tampa versus Philadelphia or a Houston versus like for some weird reason, the wild card this year was just a butt whooping for the most part, except that Detroit um, LA game. So I, I really think these are going to be much, much closer games. I'm going to agree with you to a point about the lions bucks matchup. I think out of the games that are coming up this weekend, I think that one has the potential and I'm going to throw this word around loosely. It's not because I think it'll be a bad game that has the potential to be the ugly game where both teams may not be the strongest within the postseason for either of them, but it might end up being a good game, but still an ugly game to watch might be a little bit more low, low scoring might be more defense heavy. I think it'll still be a great game. Personally, I think, no, I really don't see any of these games being blowouts. I really don't. Um, Buffalo versus Kansas City is really turning into Brady Manning 2.0 between Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. I think the Green Bay San Francisco game has got a lot of potential to be a great matchup. And I, I'm with you. I, the Texans are just fun to watch. And I kind of get the vibe that they might be able to pull it off. And not just pull it off. I think that might be, for my money, the highest likelihood of a blowout game this coming up weekend. I really do. So it it, it should be really good. And not, not to go back to Lions Buccaneers, but just, just happy to be here. Th- that's the NFC North and NFC South champs. I mean, they're not bums by any means. All right. Either. So I mean, that that's kind of thing that I really like about this divisional round. It's yeah, the Packers made it in, but they only missed by one game from winning the NFC North in their own right. And I think outside of that, I'm pretty sure it's all division champs at that from that stage otherwise, because it's Detroit, NFC North, Tampa Bay, NFC South, and then San Francisco, NFC West. So yeah, it's the 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 East is the only comp division not represented there. And then again for the AFC side, I, I think it's a toss-up between those two games. I for my money, I'm going Houston and Buffalo. I think is how it'll play out. Um 
I'm I'm really I'm very very bullish on Houston. I really am. I I think there's a slight possibility that they may be one of those teams that just it got built exactly the right way. Like you just hit it out of the park with your quarterback, your head coach, your general manager. And that happens so rarely. It it gets talked about in the sense of when Jimmy Johnson came in and had Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith. Or Don Shula back in the day with Larry Zonka, Brian Gree, Bob Greasy, and guys like that. It's it's so rare when it happens, it gets talked about in whispers. If they can beat Baltimore, I think you might be looking at that being the case with Houston as well. So I I like Houston. I like Buffalo, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's Kansas City. I like Green Bay and I like Tampa. I, I think we might have a pretty boilerplate NFC title game of Green Bay versus Tampa Bay like we saw back in 2020. Um, I think that'd be a fun game to watch personally. Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield just duking it out as two of the, uh, how do I say this nicely? Two of the cast aside first round quarterbacks that we've seen in recent years who've really come on strong. And then I think Houston versus Buffalo or Houston versus Kansas City would be a phenomenal AFC title game. So that's kind of where I'm leaning with it. I think it'll be Houston and Buffalo. And then Green Bay, Tampa Bay. That that's who I'm going with for my predictions. I mean, as far as your predictions, I think not to say that they're gonna be right or gonna be wrong, that part I just don't know based on how things have gone. But I think in terms of storylines, the best matchups are almost what you have. I think Houston Buffalo is probably the best matchup in terms of storylines of oh, Texans have a rookie quarterback, first-year head coach, all the different things that have been associated with Houston. And Buffalo has been, you know, they've been good these last handful of years, but they haven't been in a Super Bowl in quite some time and still have yet to win a Super Bowl. And then on the flip side, Green Bay, you know, they had the Rodgers years where they were close. They did win one with Rodgers, but that feels like ancient history at this point with how things have gone. And, you know, I think that's why I say the matchups are almost right there because – as much as you love your Bucks, the Bucks did just win a title a few years ago with Tom Brady. So if you do get replace that with the Lions, you then have an NFC North matchup for the right to go to the Super Bowl. And that's that's about as good as you can hope for in the NFC if you're not going to have the team that's been as dominant all year like they have uh, with the Niners. Yeah, I mean, from a storyline perspective, my God, you, you, you just kind of hit the nail on the head. And I think... Um, for my two cents, the story narrative about, oh, well, it's San Francisco and Baltimore get a rematch of that Super Bowl. Here's the thing. That's actually not a bad narrative either. Oh, for sure. That, that'd be a good Super Bowl. I, I think if you look at the teams that are still left in it, I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts, we're in a situation where we're not going to have a bad Super Bowl, if that makes sense. I, I think regardless of what teams come out of the AFC and NFC, out of the teams that made it out of the wild card round into the divisional, I don't think we're in a position where we're going to get a bad game for the Super Bowl or a bad storyline for the Super Bowl, regardless of outcomes from this point forward. I mean, 
using Kansas City as an example, it's are they going to pull off the back-to-back finally? Which even pulling off the back-to-back, let's really call it as it is, it'd be a back-to-back, one-year pause, back-to-back. I mean, it's they, they've they've made some impressive runs over the years. So getting back to the Super Bowl will be huge for them. Baltimore, it's does Lamar Jackson get the the playoff jinx off of his shoulders finally and finally propels the team into a Super Bowl? It's just how immensely talented that he is. For San Francisco, is Brock Purdy truly the greatest, most Mr. Irrelevant in the history of the game? And can you win it with a Mr. Irrelevant with surrounded by talent? It's, yeah, I mean, at this stage, really, there's no bad storyline. They're all going to be great storylines, but I I think uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Houston, Buffalo probably lines you up for the best storyline narratives. A close second would be Detroit, Green Bay, Houston, Buffalo. Because at that point, three out of the four teams that are contending for a Super Bowl have never won a Super Bowl. And that makes it for an amazing storyline going into Super Bowl Sunday. With that, we'll step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look at some other things along with the NBA here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go. NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Bigby Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Bigby Coffee locations in Findlay, one on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFB Classic, it's 96.7 WBV on Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Van Buren basketball coaches Mark Bunn and Jaden Tabler for joining us today on the show. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. We might not be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials tonight. Get their sirloin steak dinner kits, eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up the carry window, dine and get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app to see more and place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. Matt, let's take a little look at the NBA. And there's been a little bit that's changed in the East since the last time we talked, even though really the spread of those teams hasn't changed too much. The Cavs at the moment now all the way up to the four seed. The top three have kind of solidified themselves a little bit. Bucks along with the Celtics and the Sixers and only a couple teams in the East really out of it at this point with the Hornets, Wizards, and Pistons. So kind of just what overall in the Eastern side of things would have been uh, some of the big things you've uh, seen as of late. Oh, well, it goes back to what we said a couple weeks ago. I mean, the the tightness and the parity in the Eastern Conference between number three to number nine, really. I mean, especially if we're really going to split hairs, number three through number eight. I mean, there is only a three game difference between the magic and the Sixers right now for the number three seed. 
which is just insane. That 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 level of tightness in the rankings of the standings going into or at least getting very close to all-star break is kind of astonishing. I did not expect it to still be this close and this narrow between them. So it, it, it's it's been impressive. I'm not surprised that the Cavs are doing good. Five-game winning streak. I really feel a lot of that was just trying to get pieces, parts back into place and back to being healthy more than anything else. And they're doing it right now without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, who are two of their best players. So I think Cleveland goes back to being a team that you really got to pay attention to. Your magic, I mean, it's really just been a little bit of bad luck. A bit of, what was it, a three-game losing streak? Yeah. That they were on for a little bit there. Yep. And that dropped them from fifth to eighth. I mean, three-game losing streak in other sports is usually a death sentence for them. But hey, they're still in the playoffs comfortably. And really only a game out from Cleveland at the number four seed. So it's it the 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 East is continuing to be the East extremely balanced, a lot of parity, and a lot of teams that built it up kind of in an old school way, mostly through the draft and a couple trades here and there. I mean, look at the Magic; that's almost entirely the draft. The Cavs, outside of Donovan Mitchell, really the draft. The Heat, they're obviously the Heat; they go free agent crazy. The Pacers. Mostly the draft. The Bucks, they made the trade for Damian Lillard, but that's also a little bit more draft and stuff like that. In Boston, they've made some trades. I mean, Christophe Porzingis has been a big contributor for them. They traded for him, but really it's been Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. I mean, it's the 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 East is a little interesting. It seems like all the super teams are set aside in the Western Conference with all the mega stars, but this Eastern Conference this year man there's some fun teams to watch and i don't think it's going to be a lock for whoever comes out of the west that they'll be winning it no questions asked i think this is a very good eastern conference this year i mean in terms of the east it's it's funny looking at it just because you know celtics they're 31 and 9 as we're talking 19 and 0 at home and they were a second half comeback away from that one loss being to the Pistons while on that losing streak. So it just goes to show how fickle some things can be in terms of the NBA. As far as the Eastern Conference, I mean, the Sixers getting the win last night against the Nuggets, I mean, that's that, that just speaks to a lot of different things because with the Nuggets, they're, of course, the defending NBA champions, but... There were a lot of people, you know, clamoring for, you know, Embiid not having a true MVP season because of how the Sixers, you know, kind of uh, kind of uh, faded away in the postseason. And then Jokic goes on to win the title, having won those MVPs the couple years before. But last night, Embiid certainly put on a show, and the Sixers are going to go as much as him and along with Tyrese Maxey can take them because – if it go it goes to show what the Sixers can do, and they they have a new head coach too, and Nick Nurse, at least new to them, was with the Raptors before then. But if if those guys are able to you know stay on track and stay healthy, it's going to be tough for any of these other Eastern Conference teams because you, you mentioned the Cavs playing without a couple different guys. Pacers don't have Tyrese Halliburton for a little bit, and you know just with him going down, they've you know dropped a couple spots in the standings as well. And the Knicks are, you know, they're kind of right on the, 
seal of being a true playoff team right now just inside uh, the the play and even though actually they're tied with the uh, Pacers in terms of you know pure records but I mean anything can go wrong with the Knicks because they can have the games where they you know blow out the Bucks, but then they'll also have a game that they lose that they probably shouldn't lose so the East is it, as much as it is still kind of top heavy with those three of the Celtics Bucks and Sixers if the Cavs get healthy at the right time, they can do something. The Heat made it to the finals last year. The Pacers, you know, were in the play-in, you know, in-season tournament when uh, Tyrese Halliburton was healthy. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how things can play out in the East. Still lots of time for all of that to fall into place, but lots of uh, lots of things to look for in, in the East for sure. Oh, very much so. And I, I, I will say, I'm just going to throw this in as an aside. God love the two bottom feeders of the Pistons and the Wizards making the trade they did, sending Marvin Bagley to Washington on that one. Uh, side note, I'm still very much team Marvin Bagley um, in terms of him being a good player. I think there's still some potential there, but Washington's got to flip him to a competitive team here ASAP. Otherwise, he's just going to be in the doldrums of being on bad teams for the rest of his career and just being the good player on that bad team. But no, in all sincerity, the, the Eastern Conference, it's the balance that's there, I think is going to make it a lot more competitive as the year goes on, as the season progresses, and once you get into the postseason. I, outside of Boston, I really think any of these other teams could take it any particular day. I think Boston's the clear-cut favorite right now out of the Eastern Conference, just the way they're playing. I mean, God, 19-0 at home, that's that's absurd. And if you can get home court throughout the postseason, that's just ungodly advantage for them. But yeah, with this Eastern Conference, I mean, it really depends on health. Who's going to be a buyer? Who's going to be a seller once we get to the trade deadline? And if some of these teams really elect to go all in to make a push a push towards the postseason, it, it could be a very fun Eastern Conference this year. I mean, yeah, I'm with you in terms of the Celtics, I think, have to be the front runner at this point in time. If for no other reason than last week, they absolutely laid it down against the Bucks. Oh, and they they <laughs> they they beat them like they took their lunch money and said mean things about their mother. I mean, my God. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, just just kind of that in and of itself has to give them the edge at this point in time. I mean, we're in mid-January, so we still got plenty of time before the playoffs start. But with the Celtics having like I said, haven't lost at home at all this season. Their differential, their point differential is almost an average of 10 a game. I mean, there's a, the closest to, to that actually is the Sixers at eight, so they're not too far off. But the Bucks, it's interesting with the Bucks. I mean, obviously with them getting Damian Lillard, that shifted things for them heading into this year. But you see it with their their numbers tell the story. Their points per game is very good. Their opposing points per game, though, is also pretty high, and that is playing a role with them being inconsistent on a night in night out basis. It's a similar thing with the Pacers, even though you know not having Tyrese Halliburton as of late hasn't helped them in in that regard. But that's just goes to show, yeah, they can score, but if they can't get any stops on defense, that's. <laughs> That's not exactly a winning recipe either. Uh, no, it's not. And I, I think what's interesting, you mentioned Indi Indiana with um without Tyrese Halliburton. The, at least as of today, there's a lot of rumblings that Pascal Siakam 
is going to be a pacer by the end of the trade deadline. And I, I think if you incorporate him into that system as well, I, you could make an argument for the Pacers to be the best team in the East if they gel. That That's the million-dollar question. If they're able to gel together and Halliburton comes back 100%, it's, they could be phenomenal at that point. So it's, again, I, I think the Eastern Conference, Boston's in a tier all by themselves. But even in that regard, though, it still is anyone's conference. There's still plenty of time left in the season and still got the trade deadline coming up and a few people that are still on the move and some people coming back from injuries. But yeah, I think between the two conferences, the Eastern Conference is way more fascinating this year than the West is. And speaking of and switching to the West, I mean, their their top part hasn't changed a whole lot. It's still Timberwolves, Thunder, the Nuggets. But in terms of just, you know, everybody else is kind of right there because, I mean, the 10 seed right now is the Lakers. There's There are nine games back of the Timberwolves, so not like that much of a disparity, whereas in the East there's much more of a disparity. The Nets are the 10, and they're uh, 14 and a half back tied with the Hawks in that regard. So there's more of a disparity between, you know, the top and the bottom in the East compared to the West, and it's it's just so interesting because you have the Lakers who – Won the in-season tournament, which I know we've talked ad nauseum about how st- parts of that confuse you, but they're still just a game under 500, so it's not like they're having the best season. They're right now the last play-in team, just uh, right uh, right tied with uh, Houston in terms of the uh, win-loss uh, percentage. It's right. It's just about the same. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the West because it's kind of like what we've been talking about over the last month or so at least, it's like, are we truly buying into the Timberwolves being good? And they keep winning. So at some point, you certainly have to. You can say the same thing for the Thunder. The Nuggets are, you know, the defending champs. The Clippers made the James Harden move, and they, you know, had a slide, and then they come back and then immediately have a little bit of a win streak after that. Now they won their last game, so they're kind of getting back towards – the, the medium side, median side of that, that regard, but Mavericks are right there too. And when Luke is hot, it's tough to stop him. Same thing for the Pelicans with Zion Williamson. When he's actually able to stay on the court, they seem to be a pretty good team. And you know, the teams right beneath them, they're not teams to sneeze at either. The Kings won, won the division last year. They had the seven game series against the Warriors. The Suns are right there. The Jazz are interesting just with kind of the mismatch of pieces they have that were, you know, acquired from some of these other teams and some of the various deals they made. It's going to be interesting, especially as things go on. And I know I kind of keep repeating that, but it's it's the case when you have right now the Lakers as the 10 seed. And we've seen that if they are able to kind of get everything going in the right direction, they are a team that can beat anybody as they showed with what they did in the in-season tournament, you know, just a little early on in the year. Well, first I'll, I'll, I'll say a thank you your way. I appreciate that you described my lack of knowledge and understanding of the in-season <laughs> tournament as some pieces of it are confusing. <laughs> that makes me feel better. It makes me feel like you, you view me as an educated, finally respectable broadcaster and individual I will correct you though. I have no idea about any part of the NC tournament. None of it. None of it made so, so not important. It's just, it's not important to this conversation. 
but uh yeah i mean with the western conference i i think it is time to start buying the timberwolves as the best team in the conference right now i really do um i think the leap that anthony edwards made what you're getting night in night out of carl anthony towns and rudy gobert in terms of twin big men doing their thing down there in the paint i i really think the timberwolves have a recipe for success but kind of similar but not completely similar to Eastern Conference in the sense that with the East, I really feel any of those teams, once they get into the play-in or the postseason, have a legitimate shot at winning. I don't think the Pelicans legitimately could be an NBA Finals contender. Uh, Sacramento's fun to watch. I don't know if they actually make it out of the second round, personally. The, the Suns, they went all in for the chief mercenary in the NBA, Kevin Durant. This just proving to be a train wreck once again. Surprising, a guy that sells his soul to just try and win rings and, you know, gets, gets snippy and argumentative with people on social media whenever they call him out for being a mercenary. Somehow he's not a good locker room environment guy for these teams. Amazing. Who would have thought of that? Um. I loved your description of the jazz. It's so true. I, I can't make heads or tails of that roster, man. I really can't. It's, I I don't think they can. It's like they're the Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> yeah. From Rudolph. Like to kind of, since it's cold and nasty, outside, sticking with a little bit of a holiday theme. They're, they're the Island of Misfit Toys. No part of their roster makes sense, but somehow they're cobbling together a competitive season. It's just, I don't like I can't even name half the players on their team right now, let alone uh, understanding how it works. So the fact that they're still in it right now and a little bit over 500 surprising, but let's just be honest. They're not going to make it to the finals. The Lakers, they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. When you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, quite literally anything can happen any single night. So out of the teams on the back half of this Western Conference, they're probably the only legitimate title contenders out of the bottom here. And that's exclusively because they have LeBron James. It really is just as cut and dry as that. So that, that that's kind of where I stand with the West. It's, yeah, they're very tightly grouped together as well, but it just, it doesn't strike me as the same type of when you look at the East, I mean, just to go back to their standings right now, I could make a very easy argument that, yeah, the Bulls could probably make the finals. The Magic could make the finals. The Knicks definitely could. The Pacers absolutely can. Then five through one, they're all legitimate title contenders, in my opinion. And even going to a little bit of the play-in. The, the Nets have been a fun team to watch. I mean, Mikhail Bridges has really turned it on this season for them and has been a pretty impressive player. And for for the West, I really think it's gonna come down to the Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, and maybe the Clippers. I mean, I don't know. They got so many good players on that team, but they also have James Harden. So it's like, is it gonna work or is it gonna blow up? Luca is phenomenal in the postseason and throughout the season, but for Dallas, do they really have the pieces around him that they can keep it up in the postseason? So I don't know. It's the, the West, I, I, I'm with you to an extent. It seems like while they are close and while it is a, another tight grouping, I really feel there's some clear definitive favorites in the Western Conference so far. See, I'm like 
I'm with you, but I'm not with you just in terms of the West, just because I look at these teams and I see, okay, if the Lakers is like I said, if the Lakers are able to get things right with LeBron and Anthony Davis, they theoretically could beat anybody in a seven game series. I say the same thing about the Suns, if for the similar reasons of Durant and Beal and all the other pieces they have with Booker, if they get going, it's going to be tough to knock them out as well. We saw the Kings last year, you know, kind of use their their home court advantage and ride that in part to, you know, hosting in that uh, seven-game series again with the Warriors that I brought up earlier. The Pelicans, they're, they're one of the teams that it's like, okay, yeah, you're up there, but everything would have to go like perfectly right for them. Whereas you can say similar things about teams like the Suns and the Lakers, but it's just hard to, it's one of those cases where when it happens, I'll actually believe it can happen for the Pelicans because you need, especially Zion to stay healthy in a way that is that much more detrimental to them compared to some of the other teams. The Mavericks, I, I kind of view them in that similar vein just because what Luka can do night in, night out, if he gets enough help from you know some of his supporting cast, that's when he is able to do some stellar things. And I think one of these years, maybe it's not this year, but one of these years there's going to be a long postseason run because Luka just goes nuts for a couple weeks. And... That's I think the th- the Thunder and the Clippers are the two that are up there that I'm like okay is that truly sustainable and for the Thunder it's if nothing else it's because they have more of a younger core along with guys like SGA but with the Clippers it, it's kind of similar to the Pelicans even though they've had guys that have won before like Kawhi Leonard but you need Kawhi Leonard you need James Harden. You need all those guys to be going in the right direction at the right time. And they can go on winning streaks, but they can also go on losing streaks. And that's that's one of those locker rooms that when things are not going right, that is not a place I would want to be. Well, and, and I think just to piggyback off of that, I think with the Western Conference, uh, the, the Pelicans are last year's Vikings from the NFL. It's like, sure, their record's good, but let's be honest, they're probably going to get bounced in the first round. Just that that's probably how it's going to play out. Um, the, the way I view it, kind of like what you just alluded to there, it's all about chemistry when it comes into the Western Conference. I think the Eastern Conference, I feel those teams are pretty well built from a chemistry perspective. I, I think a lot of these Western Conference teams, though, because of all the super teams that are out there, are really just kind of playing with dynamite. I mean, James Harden has talked his way out of four separate organizations in the last what, six years at this point? If they go on a bad streak in the postseason, what's to say he doesn't blow that one up? The the Mavericks, it's, yeah, Luka's very good. They got some good players around him, but th- they tend to have those self-inflicted wounds once you get to postseason time. Kings, honestly, the Kings are kind of fun to watch, and I give Mike Brown a lot of credit. It's nice to see that he's get gets that other opportunity to be a head coach and he's doing well with it. Um, the Suns, absolutely. Yes. If they're on, they could probably beat any team in the league, but my God, that is a room of 10 ply Charmin soft players. 
in terms of their person. I think them letting Chris Paul walk and getting rid of him was one of the biggest detriments to that team's chemistry that they could have done. Because, I mean, they, they are just, again, to quote Letterkenny, they are 10-ply soft in terms of personalities and attitudes and stuff like that. So that's, again, for me, that's kind of why I look at the Western Conference as, I think they're going to be competitive. But if you were to ask me which is the more balanced conference right now, I'm probably going to say the East still. Because I think those teams have kind of been built up the right way and have been built up with chemistry in mind versus just putting together the best roster you could on NBA 2K. A couple things that I want to look at before we go from around the world of sports. Uh, Kalen DeBoer officially made the move from Washington to Alabama as the replacement for the retiring Nick Saban. Do you think it ends up working out uh, when it's all said and done for him in Tuscaloosa? Good luck. (laughs) I I think it could be okay. I, I really think Washington was a special moment for him kind of situation. I mean, he's a good coach. Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. Is he Nick Saban? No. And I think that's evident by the transfer portal already starting to open up significantly for kids from Alabama. So we'll see. I'm, I think he'll be good. I don't think he'll be a train wreck, but I I think Alabama has got a few years out in the cold coming up here before they really get back to being a very, very competitive team. In baseball, still a a handful of those uh, free agents out there that are pretty big names, reigning Cy Young winner, award winner, Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger among some of those. We're, we're uh, just over 30 or so days away from pitchers, catchers reporting. What are some of these teams waiting for? Uh, being cheapskates, that's what they're waiting for. It's it's the same problem they ran into a couple years ago where these teams think they can wait out these players and get them to sign for veteran minimums or significantly smaller contracts. I, the fact that Cody Bellinger doesn't have a job, and frankly, the fact that it's gone this long and the Cleveland Guardians have not called him at this point to just get any type of plausible hitting into their lineup is beyond me though. It's not beyond me because the Dolans are the cheapest owners in the entire org, the major league baseball organization. The, the, A's, the A's would like a word. What was it? The A's would like a word. Yeah. That's a, a problem that'll be solved once they get to Vegas. Cause the Dolans are still just absolute cheapskates. There's terrible, terrible owners. Sell the team. Please sell the team. Uh, if you're listening to me, we are technically an affiliate of the Cleveland guardians. Sell the team. Give it to people who actually want to spend the money and make a good team. How Cody Bellinger is not on the Guardians roster yet when they need outfield hitting blows my mind. It just blows my mind. But anyway, that's really what boils down to. Owners are being cheap, especially with the Otani contract. and Some of the other contracts that have been out there this offseason that they frankly need the free agent market to go into a deep freeze before we see any more moves, I think. And another son of a uh, former player is uh, starting to get into pro ball. Vladdy Miguel Guerrero signed a minor league deal with the New York Mets. He's just 17. He's the half-brother of Vlad Jr. and the son of Vlad Sr. And unlike the other two, he's a left-handed hitter. So we might see another Guerrero in Major League Baseball here at some point in the future. Is that not terrifying, the idea of a left-handed version of Vlad Guerrero? <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's definitely up there. Like... The, the, that that's one of those sentences where I didn't think it'd be intimidating from a sports perspective. That's terrifying <laughs> to think about my God, Vlad Guerrero's hitting technique and style and his 
swing and his mechanics, but putting in a lefty with some pop. Holy God, that is. <laughs> that's a, that's nightmare fuel. I'd wake up in a cold sweat if I was a pitcher having to go against him. That'll just about do it for us tonight. Big thanks to Van Buren basketball coaches Mark Bunn and Jaden Tabler for joining us on the show today. Join us this weekend for our coverage of high school basketball. Friday night we'll have coverage of SBC River action. Hopewell Loudon takes on Calvert in a game that could decide who wins the SBC River. Matt Common and I will have that one for you on Friday night. And then Saturday, a nearby rivalry matchup. Vostoria will head east on Route 18 to Bascom to take on Hopewell Loudon. Matt Common and Tom Grind will have that one for you Saturday night. And that'll be also on both of our stations. Former broadcast partner Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.